right. I'm in uh, John chapter 13 this morning, if you, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, good morning. <laughs> uh, my name is Michael Dascoli. I am the senior pastor here at Summit Church. If you happen to be a guest and you're joining us today for the first time, glad to have you with us. I think I speak for all of us who are a part of the Summit Church family when I say to you, welcome today. Uh, t- typically, <clears throat> on, a, on a Sunday morning, we are working through the Bible, uh, taking the Bible one book at a time, and just teaching that book verse by verse. But right now, we are in a series um, that I'm calling Summit Vision, and it's a biblical vision for our church, who we are as a church. And this is going to lead us up into Easter um, where uh, we look, always look forward to that great celebration. Uh, we're we're in, currently in the season of Lent, which we recognize Jesus' suffering, leading ultimately up to his death on the cross for our sins. And that's the ultimate part of the Easter season. There will be a community Good Friday service that Friday. But then coming together for, to celebrate the resurrection. The resurrection is just a confirmation of who Jesus is. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. And it's always great to come together and celebrate his victory. But the great victory was won on the cross. Okay? Then after that, um, as God allows, I plan to begin a new series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm calling that series Satisfied. So I hope you can join us for that. I think you'll find it very awesome uh, and full of wisdom. And uh, you'll be glad that, that you're a part of this. But last week, we looked at our summit vision statement, which is all eyes on Jesus. And all eyes on Jesus is, is really what we want to be about in this church. Jesus is, in the Greek language, the word is pleroma. Jesus is our pleroma, which means Jesus is our fullness, and that Jesus must become everything that we are becoming below the surface of our faith, uh, which would be our roots. Jesus must become the very vine itself that we are growing up into, the surface, the structure of our faith, the plant, and Jesus must become the source of every good thing that breaks forth From our life. So Jesus must become the very fruit of our existence so that in the end, the only thing that we can do is look up to heaven and say, All glory to God. (laughs) Because we know what we are. And when we're amazed with what God is doing in our lives and through our lives, we just say, Glory to God. So it's God who causes us to grow, It's, it's God who causes us to transform. And it's God who causes us to be fruitful. And it's for that reason that every week we remind you all eyes on Jesus. In addition, life can get discouraging. But it's always good to know that this life is temporary and we're looking forward to the greater day. We're looking forward to His glorious appearing. And for that reason, for all hope, all eyes on Jesus as well. So would you just say all eyes on Jesus with me? All eyes on Jesus. Yes. Now, last week, I left a little bit checked in my spirit out of concern that perhaps someone used last week's teaching to justify participating in things, involving ourselves in choices that contradict God's best will for our lives. 
And I don't ever want to communicate that, that message. Someone said a long, long time ago that every time you preach, you're preaching right at the threshold of heresy. And um, so it keeps me in check all the time. But what we need to remember is, is, uh, would be verses like 1 John 2, verse 6, where the Bible says, whoever claims to live in him, whoever claims to live in Jesus, must walk as Jesus did. But what I'm concerned about and why I preach messages like I do and why I preach the one that I did last week is because too often believers are being beat up, okay? Beat up because we know we're not perfected. But the fact that we are aware of our imperfections is evidence of the Holy Spirit living in us. So I I come against all of the rigidness, all the legalism, and all this determination, and I just keep saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. Desire to be everything he wants you to be, but get your eyes off your flesh. You're not going to beat your flesh on your own. Jesus is your source of help and strength. It's a vertical relationship that has horizontal results. And so I pointed you to the cross, and we have this little image of the cross, because the cross has this vertical beam that points up, and it says, look up, look up. Set your heart, set your affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. But then it has this horizontal beam as well that says as you're looking up and the Father's pouring into your life, it's going to have an impact on those around you. And and in that impact, you're going to just sit there and you're going to say, glory to God, all glory to God. And this horizontal beam, this is where we're going today. Uh, because this is, this is, if you miss everything else, okay, with your eyes on Jesus, if you miss everything else, make sure you get this, okay? This is about that horizontal flooding, the horizontal overflow. And this verse is actually our application for today. So I put this text on the screen for us. It's John 13, 34 and 35. And I would like you to read this scripture with me. Let's read it in unison. Jesus is talking and he says, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So underneath our vision statement, All Eyes on Jesus, we have identified six core values that that we want to be about as a church. And I have those core values there, but you can check them out later at our website at estesparkchurch.org. But today I want to focus on this very first one. And I just want you to, to notice that we desire our church to be a place that is a warm friendly environment, offers a warm, friendly environment that will nurture each person so that we will be sincerely strengthened to, that we will be strengthened to sincerely meet the needs of others. Now, there's a reason that's number one, because if you look at number two, I have to say that there's a little bit of a tug war that maybe number two would be the better first one. Until you understand that number two's already been qualified in this whole idea of all eyes on Jesus. Because number two is is all about getting our eyes there. It's all about worship. It's all about prayer. It's all being in the word. It's all about sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's all about our focus. But the reason this particular one is number one takes us clear back to a small group of people whom Valerie and I met with in a couple of living rooms when we visited Estes Park. 
And these people wanted to start this church. And they shared one common theme. What, what I heard loudest, loudest from this group of people, they, they said that there were no sincerely friendly churches in Estes Park. Okay, now, I don't know if that's true. This isn't my statement. This was their statement. I, I frankly don't have time to go visit other churches. I'm kind of tied up on Sunday mornings. <laughs> but, but I appreciate their heartbeat. Their heartbeat was that we want our church to be a friendly church. And I think for the most part, we've achieved that goal. How often do we hear how friendly you are? Huh? And you hear it. This is a friendly church. And we just have to say, glory to God, right? Yeah. Can we just thank God for that? Yeah. I've told you recently that Valerie and I have some unchurched friends who, you know, when they were first married, they were poor college students. They wanted to go to church. They thought it was an important part of, of, of their lives. But the church they went to let them know right away that the way they dressed was not appropriate for that church. Well, they didn't have any money to go buy other clothes, so that was the end of their church experience, and they're very nervous about coming back to church, but they tell us they want to come to this church because all the people they know and like come to this church, <laughs> okay? And that's cool. But can we be better in this area of friendliness? Can we do a better job? I believe we can. I, I believe that if, if we're all participating, that, that we can not only be a friendly church, a warm, friendly church, when we come together like this for corporate worship, but we can be a friendly church and friendly body wherever we are and with whomever we're meeting so that we become ambassadors of Christ. I have to share this February story with you. Little Chad was a shy, quiet young boy. One day he came home from school and, and he told his mom that he'd like to make a Valentine card for every kid in his class. Oh no, mom thought about that. She thought, I, I wish he wouldn't do that. She, she realized the way it was. Every day after school, she'd watch the kids come walking down the sidewalk. They would be laughing, hanging on to each other, talking to each other. But her quiet, shy son, Chad, was always behind. Never, ever with the group. Well, nevertheless, you know, a loving mom, she's going to help her son achieve his goals. So she provides him with the, goal, the glue, the crayons, the paper. And for the next three weeks, night after night, Chad painstakingly worked to have 35 Valentine cards. Valentine's Day dawned. Chad was beside himself with excitement. He carefully stacked the cards, putting them into a bag, and bolted out the door. Mom, being concerned as to how the day would play out, decided she would bake some chocolate chip cookies and serve them up with some milk when he got home from school. She just knew he'd be dis disappointed. Maybe those cookies would ease his sorrow just a, a little bit, and uh, he wouldn't think so much about how few Valentine cards he got, if he got any at all. Well, that afternoon, sure enough, she had the cookies ready. She heard the kids outside. She looks out the window, and she sees all these kids having a great time. And there's Chad, way behind the group. Seemed to be walking a little faster than usual. She fully expected he'd burst into the door uh, empty-handed. Uh, she, she, she had to hold back the tears as, as he comes in, into the house. And the first word she says to him, 
Chad, mommy made some cookies and has some milk for you. But he hardly heard her words. He just marched right on by, his face aglow, and all he could say was, not a one, not a one. Her heart sank, and then Chad added, I didn't forget a one, not a single one. <laughs> oh. So we need your help. We need your help as a part of Summit Church. We're blessed that we don't have a, a church building because we get to be the church rather than have a church building. Okay? And we need you to play your part in the body of Christ. We can't be friendly simply because we have one or two great people who stand out there outside greeting you in the parking lot or welcoming you into the doors. We need every one of you to be a part of the warm, friendly environment because we are only as strong as our weakest link. We are only as friendly as the most unfriendliest person in our midst. (laughs) And you have to ask yourself the question, how do you represent Summit Church? You're not only an ambassador for the kingdom, uh, but you're an ambassador for this church, whether we're together as a body or wherever you are and whatever you may happen to be doing. You know, one day I was reading my Bible, and I opened it to John 14. I don't know how I got to John 14, but I skipped over our, our key verse for today, which is in John 13, and I just started reading in, in John 14, and I have to say that it was one of those amazing moments. In fact, I call it a rhema moment. It's a moment when God has a timely word to be spoken fitly into my life. A Holy Spirit moment where God just wanted to get through my thick skull and, and make sure I understood his heartbeat and knew his voice and understood what was really important to him. Now, biblically, the context of John chapter 14 is exactly the same as the scripture that we started with today. Because scripturally, we are here in the upper room with Jesus and the disciples because it's the night of Jesus' betrayal, the night that he would be handed over and arrested. He would be serving the Last Supper this night, and he'd already washed the disciples' feet. But right in the midst of this, Jesus wants his followers to understand the heart of God. And today, Jesus wants you, his followers, to understand the heart of God as well. And what grabbed my attention as I'm reading along, keep in mind, I did not read John 13. I did not know the Bible that well. This is back in the early 80s. And uh, I start reading, and I get to this verse in John 14, verse 15, where Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will obey my command. Well, I kind of looked around in the chapter, because back then I just figured that thoughts would be, you know, kind of isolated to chapters, and I couldn't see what he was talking about. What in the world is going on? Now, I read to the next verses, and right there, Jesus shifts. He starts talking about his imminent departure right? His death, his departure. Then he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and all this is about his departure and the coming of the Holy Spirit. So I'm thinking, so is he talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm not sure. But I keep reading on. I get to verse 20, and Jesus says there, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And I'm like, why doesn't he answer my question? What is his command? And why did he shift here and make that plural rather than singular? What's going on? And I keep reading to verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. 
My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And then again, Jesus goes into talking about his imminent departure and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But he's not answering my question. What is going on? What is the command here? I'm getting this vertical piece. I mean, it's all about loving God, but I can't find the horizontal piece. How is that supposed to play out? What does that look like? Then in verse 31, But the world must know, Jesus said, that I love the Father. See the vertical there? Jesus' eyes on the Father, I love the Father, right? And out of that, he goes on, and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So now I'm thinking, now, Jesus has a command from the Father. We have a command from Jesus. I can't figure out what this command is. I wonder if the command that Jesus is supposed to live out is the same command that we're supposed to live out. What in the world is this command? But then, sadly, Jesus ends the verse, come now let us leave. Oh no, what did I miss? I'm not seeing something here. Is it the promise of the Holy Spirit? Is it a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What is going on? If it's the Holy Spirit, then why isn't it clear? Why isn't there something that says you must be filled with the Holy Spirit? And so then I wonder, you know, I, I, I didn't have a clue to go back to John 13, but all I knew was to keep reading, and then I get to this whole thing about Jesus saying, I am the vine. He goes into this analogy, you know, how he's the vine, how we're the branches, and how as we're connecting to him, that out of that we begin to bear fruit. And so I think, man, where is this whole idea? If you love me, you will obey my commandment. I'm kind of frustrated. I'm disappointed. The Bible's just not clear. Hmm. But I kept on reading. I got to verse 10, John 15. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Oh, brother. Can I just get an answer here? But he's back to the subject. He's back on subject, I think. He never left subject, but I'm thinking he's back on subject. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Oh man, I about exploded because I was like, that's it. That's what God wants us to know. In fact, he can even use us in a plural form because this is the desire of God's heart. And he says, the only way you're going to have complete joy is if you do what I ask you to do. And what I'm asking you to do is love one another. <laughs> and then he starts talking about the extent that he'll go to show his love when he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Command. And what I've realized is that this isn't just another command to be added to a heap of other commands. This is the command. If you don't get anything right, get this. It rang home like a bell going off in my head. Love one another just as I have obeyed my Father's command and have loved you. So the command Jesus is giving to us is the same command that he received from his Father. Friends, you may mess up in a whole bunch of areas. And you may not be perfect. 
But please, in that, in your struggle and your desire to be more holy, don't miss love. Get that right. And, and as much as I talk about the vertical impacting the horizontal and how God wants to manifest and be glorified through that love, listen, even when you're not sure where God is at the moment, just rest on the promise that God is with you and out of a, as an act of discipline. Make sure you are loving and extending grace to others. Do that because you so desperately need grace. Because you so desperately need grace. The left book in John 13, 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. And then there's a right book in. It's actually here in John 15, 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And the amazing thing here is that everything in between that verse in John 13 and this verse in John 15 is all about that one thing, loving one another. So that when you read about the promised Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is all about God empowering you to love. So that when you read about bearing fruit, the fruit that God wants manifest and coming forth from your life is none other than love. And even though the church has told you that it's about all kinds of legalistic order, wearing the right clothes, staying away from the right places, and consequently removing yourself from a world that desperately needs the Christ in you. Slam that thing! Kill that thing! Go out there and be Jesus to people who need Jesus! And break off the shackles and the crap that the church has heaped on you. Because we are here for a time. We are here for a short time. And you can sit there and you can say, well, the only thing I can hope is that Jesus will come back. And in that, condemn a whole bunch of folks to hell or go out there and be Jesus to them. Just a little bit of passion there. <laughs> Galatians 5, 22 says the fruit of the Spirit is... It's singular. It's written in a singular form. It says there's one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And that love happens to manifest. manifest wow, I'm just, I'm trembling inside. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All glory to you. All glory, honor, and praise to you. Let me tremble. Stir your body. Let the Spirit move. <laughs> let the fire fall, let the wind blow. Let your glory come down, come down. Let the fire fall, let the wind blow. Let your glory come down. Let the fire fall, let the wind blow. Let your glory come down, come down. Let the fire fall, let the wind blow. Let your glory come down. Let your glory and honor fall on our face. Holy Father, rest in this place. Amen.
fruit of the Spirit is one fruit, love, that manifests itself nine ways. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Ever since that moment, everything I read in the Scriptures has been about that message. It shows up everywhere I turn. In fact, in our study of the book of Ephesians, the verses that are sticking with me, and this is part of the reason why God wants me to teach the Bible one book at a time, is because He wants me to understand the book like never before, and for it to come alive. But the verses that have stayed with me are these in Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, where the Bible says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Can we just recognize that we need to be bared with? <laughs> huh? Do you need to be bared with? Huh? I need to be bared with. Thank you for bearing with me. <laughs> sometimes people around me annoy me. Sometimes people make me uncomfortable. Sometimes people just get a little overly excited. Sometimes people need a firecracker lit under their butts. <laughs> Can we be patient and bear with one another in love? Can I just talk to you for a moment? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, and then it goes on. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love one another. Yes. So bear one another's burdens. And so someone asked the question, well, can we love too much? <laughs> can we be too friendly? <laughs> oh, you know, a guy is on a crowded bus in the, in the city and he sees a woman standing up. Uh, no more seats left, so he offers her, uh, offers, offers her his seat to which she fires back and says, I can stand just as well as you can. Oh, the woman across the way kind of rolls her eyes. The man says, uh, well, so much for trying. Do you know that when our church was teeny tiny, we had people who said, well, we like the church, just everybody's a little too friendly. Can you imagine so I had to get up in church the next week, and I said, you guys are awesome. You're really friendly. Could you just back off a little bit? <laughs> well, here's the, here's the application for this one, and, and, I, and I, love the, I love this quote. It's one that I, I don't know where I got, but I've held on to for a long, long time. It simply says this, it's never wrong to do the right thing. Did you hear that? It's never wrong to, be, to do the right thing. So church, keep loving. Church, keep being friendly. Church, help us to be the friendliest and warmest church on the planet. In fact, if Jesus says to, to love one another and, and it, by doing that, you are doing everything that I desire of you. Why can't we be the friendliest church on the planet? And I ask you, will you do your part? Will you, out of the grace that Christ has, sh has shown you, be part of the kindness of this church? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Yes, keep your eyes there. Learn to abide. Learn to know his voice, to spend time at his feet listening to him. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, surrendering those areas of your life that you take control of and say, Lord, 
retake your proper position on the throne of my life. Keep doing that. And then in the way, just keep on loving one another. And if someone happens to notice along the way, just point and say, all glory to God. Because you know what you are. And he's the one who's changing you. Would you watch this video, please?